National Association for the Visual Arts is the peak body protecting and promoting the professional interests of the Australian visual arts. Nava in Conversation is a series exploring the issues and challenges of working in the sector. We speak with artists, curators and administrators to gain insight into the experiences of contemporary practice and seek to propose ideas for change, progress and resilience in both local and global contexts. In this episode of Nava in Conversation, we are in Hobart for the inaugural Ho Biennale 17. We speak with the two directors of the festival, Grace Herbert and Liam James, as well as producer Alex Huller, about why they developed the festival and the role of artist-run spaces in Australia. Hobie and Ali went for 10 days in November with 18 Aries from around Australia and New Zealand presenting and discussing works in unusual and recontextualised urban spaces. For more information about the festival and the organisations involved, head to the Hobie and Ali website and stay tuned for the next biennial festival. My name's Grace Herbert and I am the co-chair of uh, Constance Artist Run Initiative alongside Liam James and a board of eight, eight people and I run the Space Visual Bulk with Thea Connell as a kind of collaborative project. I, my own arts practice, I studied sculpture and I have a kind of sculpture and installation based practice with a little bit of video and photography mixed in. Hello, my name is Liam James and I'm co-chair of Constance Ari um, and one of the directors of the Hobiennale. Um, my arts practice is based within photomedia um, and largely portraiture and staged imagery. Hi, my name is Alex Heller. I am a floating gopher for the Hobiennale, probably lead floating gopher. I don't have an official title for an ARI anymore, but I guess I would say I ran Watcher Space ARI in the Northern Territory for two and a half years, where I met Liam and Grace last year. And now I live permanently in Hobart and I uh, volunteer and help support Visual Bulk and Constance in their artistic endeavours. Uh, we started to create Ho Biennale. We actually we went to a conference in Sydney um, as part of... It was in the Vivid program, I think, and it was run by 107 Projects, which is actually where we met Alex Huller as well. She was there. And the conversation was sort of very Sydney-centric. I think the whole conference was introduced sort of saying, oh, artist-run initiatives, you know, emerged in the 70s and 80s in Australia out of a need for independent and critical and political art spaces. But then uh, that's how they introduced the whole thing. But then the conversation became very much about uh, placemaking policy and development and that kind of thing. And whilst that's sort of interesting in an arts context... Uh, Liam and I were perhaps a little bit more interested in uh, the kind of grassroots nature of artist-run initiatives and the resourcefulness and actually the, the really high-quality output of artist-run spaces um, with very few resources. And so we sort of went to this conference and then out of that we started having these conversations about uh, maybe what we wanted to see represented uh, for artist-run initiatives. And so... Um, 
I think we we drank a lot the night after the conference and then we, we flew back to Hobart the next day and we were very hungover on the plane on the way back and we kind of cooked up the idea for Hobie and Ali. I think a part of it as well that came from that conference was that we quite often talk about within these closed circles of what artist-run initiatives are and we struggle with it and I think we decided that we didn't want to have or go to another one of these closed conferences where 30 people talk about the same things over and over again and what actually would be better would be to get together and celebrate what we do but also show to other people what we do and really claim that space um, for the, the networks. I think that was something that was really felt by those that participated in that particular discussion in Sydney, the Whitry, we run this conference. Um, those that went back to artist-run spaces, I think, felt a bit deflated by those conversations that were a little bit... Um, hijacked by conversations of loss of funding and the solution was, oh, we'll partner with corporate entities, you know, they can help. And and we went back with a feeling of, well, that's not really an option for us. And I, for one, was really excited to keep contact with these guys, like I am with, with a lot of different Aries through the work that we do across Australia. Um, and I think they got a lot of interest as well because of that. Um, and here we are in Hobart with all these wonderful spaces from across Australia and New Zealand. I think there's a lot of misunderstandings about what artist-run initiatives are. Um, this, uh, the conversations around placemaking are generally quite misguided because it's not necessarily the place. I think a lot of people mistake that for an ARI, the space is the most important thing, like as in they think it's a gallery space that we want. It's not. It's more, you know, the opportunity to use have access to spaces and um, show works in different contexts, maybe more experimental contexts and, I guess, you know, uh, everyday activities in, in the city and uh, in places that are used for work aren't used to thinking like that. Of course, artists are. So you sort of come up with a lot of resistance and also short-term use of places and the threat of um, having to manage spaces, pay for them, and then the threat of being evicted from them once you've set down roots. Constance, for example, doesn't have a space at the moment. It's working well, but it's a lot of work. It is, yeah. I think I've been thinking about it since the beginning of the festival and... Um, as well in the shows that we've seen come through and the kind of common threads in some of the shows in the festival and our inability to define an artist-run initiative because they're just so varied. But I think probably the, the one thing that really stands out, and, it, you know, it's problematic working for free or the amount of work that people do, it's also incredibly impressive um, because it comes from just a place of people being really passionate. But I think that the organisers involved in artist-run initiatives... At, um, you know, you're right, it's not the space, it's almost like the, the organisation, whether it has a space or, or not, is almost like a buffer or it's just what we were talking about earlier. Um, it's a facilitation of something and maybe a buffer between all these different agendas, whether it be like council placemaking agendas, whether it be a more commercial idea of arts practice and, and uh, early career artists or mid-career artists can sort of choose to go whichever way they want with their practice, but these spaces... 
uh, can provide this kind of buffer at the start to just experiment and just play around without those expectations, without the need to sell or work, without the need to meet some kind of uh, criteria or agenda or even to get funding really. It's just, you know, mm. whether whether there's a space or not, but perhaps artist-run initiatives kind of facilitate this buffer zone or something for experimentation within arts practice. I think artist-run initiatives don't just make spaces that are about experimentation and process. They allow that to happen, but I don't think that it's its only thing. I think that it is definitely a space where fully resolved and realised work is shown um, but just allows both of those things to happen and you can in multi-space shows you can go in and see a super lovely finished show next to something that's just an exploratory idea that's half kind of formed and I think that's the exciting thing that it can have this hybridity on every level. Yeah, I mean, some of the... We've, there's a really big range of our REs involved in the festival as well, and some of them are more on this end of actually, like, making... Uh, producing incredibly schmick shows in white, in their white-walled sort of spaces. And that's really valuable as well within this context. So I don't know... Um, I don't know that it's just sort of about experimentation. There is that kind of... Often that really schlick kind of clean show that comes out of these spaces as well, and impressively so for the amount of resources that that those spaces might have. But I think um, maybe it's also not being bogged down by um, so many bureaucratic and administrative structures that create expectations on artists or on um, the people involved in the organisations. And often when they're really strong, those things, the focus shifts to them and not so much the work. So, I think one of the, the things that the festival has done for me personally is just highlighted not only the different models, but how each organisation has such a strong identity because everything is based on just core ethics and ideals that the the founders and the board um, have continued to shape. And um, I think that that's where the strength comes from, from artist-run initiatives, is that it's people deciding what they want to do with an organisation and that's what drives um, process and decision-making. There is a bit of fluidity in that, I would say, like... The uh, administrator side of artist runs generally falls to the people that have the are currently putting the energy into the space, and that can vary in different groups. We talk about boards in artist run initiatives, and and Grace before was talking about buffers. To have to be an incorporated body, you need a board. Um, you need to have administrative officers paying bills. You need to have like policies and procedures and that kind of thing. Um, you also need people who are trained in those kind of uh, administrative tasks so that they can perform them well so that, so that the thing can function and that, you know, government who are funding or others who are engaging in that group have trust and they know what's being delivered. But again, most of the time, artist-run initiatives are run by artists. That's the, the purpose of them. They might have their own arts practice. They also might have several other jobs that are supporting those activities. You don't always get a Liam James or a Grace Herbert who are just doing 300% in everything they do to support these uh, these festivals and also these gallery spaces and projects. And so the responsibilities shift around. So you might have times that are quite where 
and already is quite burdened under administration. And there's lots of repercussions for that. If, you're, if you've got government funding, you have to submit reports. Um, you know, if you're running a festival, you've got to pay bills. Um, but I guess with an RE, and a lot of the discussions and conferences we've had, it, I always think it sounds like we're whinging and complaining about administration, but I would say I've met a lot of people that have very strong administrative skills. It's just that the focus is always on the quality of the work and the opportunity you're providing to artists. Like, you don't want to let those people down and you don't want to let the quality of that slip and you want to keep the focus on the art, which is actually really hard because there's a lot of tension in trying to make the thing run well, trying to gain trust and do all your administration, but then also keeping your relationships up. It's, it's a lot of work. I would say, as someone who's worked in non-artist jobs to support my arts practice, it's more work. When you're an emerging artist yourself or a mid-career artist and you find yourself working in artist runs, um, it's interesting the perception that people have of ARIs. I think a lot of people, even within the arts in Australia and the arts sector, and even the independent arts sector or the commercial arts sector, there's a feeling of an artist-run space is uh, an entry-level space. I would say that that's not necessarily true. Um, I would say the freedom that you get in an artist-run space kind of allows for more experimental practices. Um, maybe that's why you'd get a lot more emerging arts practices and artists involved in those spaces. Uh, I ran Watch the Space for two and a half years and I think because of the community up there, we get a range of different artists from emerging to very well established to visiting artists. We had Tony Albert exhibiting in there um, earlier, earlier last year. Um, and that works in regional places because you're the only one and you don't get competition. But still, these spaces really do allow for lots of different practices. I think with ARIs, there is a large level of expectation that comes from the community that you're a part of. Um, and at once, <clears throat> there's, a, there's a softness and a kindness that a community will bring to you, but there's also a high level of criticality, especially when there's been longevity within an organisation. So people are very supportive of... Uh, younger artist-run initiatives and getting them off the ground. But as soon as that artist-run initiative has longevity, there's an expectation that it will be at the same kind of level as other institutions who have been around that period, even though they're functioning within two very different models. And then I think the longer you're around, the higher that expectation is. And that's something that's coming out a lot uh, that John Butt from C3 was talking about very lovely, uh, that an ARI doesn't have to progress and doesn't have to step up these next levels, you, you should be able to sit and just continually deliver what you deliver and how you want to deliver that, and there shouldn't be any greater expectation on you. And I think that that is something that communities need to understand a bit better. Mm, I think I can understand why people um, have expectations of spaces. Um, and I actually, interestingly, when Constance shut the gallery space, so it was in flight and then there was sort of like this death of in flight and then a rebirth and a rebranding as Constance and then the gallery space sort of didn't last that long after that kind of rebranding. Do you remember how long it was, Leah? Uh, I think it was about two years. Yeah. And um, when the gallery space was closed, there was a lot of misunderstandings about why the space was closed and what happened and... 
we lost a lot of faith with the Hobart community because there weren't that many other spaces, uh, artist-run spaces at the time, and the council gallery space, Carnegie Gallery, had also closed in a bit of uh, controversy as well. And I think we'd also lost quite a bit of faith with Arts Tasmania as a, as a funding body um, and the way that we had kind of managed the change from in-flight to Constance and then the shift out of the gallery space. And it's taken a lot of work to rebuild that confidence that people have had in, in Constance in the past and to kind of have people invest in us again. And I actually think it was perfectly reasonable for people to be, or at least maybe from the outside um, it would look a certain way and to be disappointed perhaps and, and to have expectations of Constance as a long-standing artist-run space in Hobart. I can understand why they would have that. I think your, your community really defines what your space is. Like mm. we're, we're talking about people who are involved in the board and volunteers, their energy defines the functioning of it. But you, the community who, who go to the openings and the events, yeah, they they have expectations and they create the space for you and like um i can only talk about my experience up in and our springs which is a very tight-knit arts community and it's a space that's going to celebrate 25 years of history so it's one of those long-standing spaces not like first draft we never really went next level and got more funding i think we were a bit too disorganized <laughs> um but it's, it's interesting because after running that space for a long time and then stepping down from the role and moving away from the Northern Territory, I still constantly get emails from the local community going, especially when I left, when a new director or a new coordinator takes, takes the role, brings a totally different energy and also brings their connections. Like that person is calling their networks in Australia to come and visit or they have a different network locally that are approaching them or feeling comfortable to put in proposals. Um, so when that shifts, it's not like you completely lose ties. Like These people are generally your, your friends. You know them in the community as well. And I, I would get emails and messages saying, oh, what's going on? Like It's not as local as it used to be. We, we have a new coordinator. Um, um, who has come from interstate and there was a lot of scepticism about that and I think there's a lot of pressure put on those roles as well to either continue providing what was provided before and a bit of resistance to new energy unless it's a success. <laughs> I don't know how you guys found that with, with the changeover from Constance. Uh, we, we, it was just Liam and, on the, Liam and I on the board for about six months and we didn't have a board. We were more like caretakers for a little while and then we had to sort of build up again and as we shifted from having a space to this sightless model, we had to figure out how that would work and how we would kind of get new board members involved and um, I guess it takes a lot, like quite a lot of initiative to try to think of a space you can have a show in and try to think of a way to, to get that. I think the... Um, the physical space is kind of, you know, has this security to operating in it. So I think an initiation period as a board member of Constance is quite a long time before people are sort of really putting themselves out there and um, kind of making these projects happen. But it's also really exciting uh, as the board members that have come on have done that and their different takes on things and the different spaces that we have occupied and the different organisations we've worked with. It's been really amazing and we've actually grown our audience, I think, because of the space that we've sort of occupied around the city um, and the organisations that we've worked with.
when it comes to volunteers within artist run initiatives, it is often a difficult thing to get people to be committed to something, um, especially with like the constants model where it's not these constant uh, times and slots and you know, at sometimes like now with the festival, we need hundreds of people helping, and then other times we might do a project where, you know, we'd need no one, and we can get it done ourselves. Um, so I think it's hard to to create constant commitment, but I think the most important thing for volunteers and get them engaged is to you know show them that you're working hard and lead, uh, and then people will be inspired and want to help and want to be involved. And I think that some models perhaps don't have that. Even though people might be working extremely hard, the volunteers can't see that and so are less likely to become engaged. I think it's common for people to have shows with artist-run initiatives and then meet members of the board and then later kind of end up on the board. Mm. I think that the exhibition and events thing is kind of almost like this mini recruitment process, although recruitment's not a very nice word. But, um, you know, it's like an engagement with and then then you've had the board invested in you for your show and then you sort of see the value of that space and you want to invest in that. Um, and I think for us, that's definitely where a lot of our volunteers have come from is sort of friends, but then also this wider network who have either shown with Constance or with Visual Bulk. And Visual Bulk is a space that is very much like a, a multi-use space. There's bands that play there. Um, we have exhibitions, uh, but then also people just use it as rehearsal spaces or places to shoot video works. And we run the space from the bar and we just sell drinks for $5 and people buy drinks and then they're paying the rent. Um, and so it's just this kind of very, it's become this kind of really local community driven space. And that's where most of the volunteers for the festival sort of come via, I think. And, um, for the festival, at least, uh, it is an enormous amount of volunteers, but we've tried to be very clear that like, this is the first time we've done this and we're kind of figuring it out as we go along. And whilst we are sort of, um, we've sort of been holding, this thing from from the get-go, if it is something that we want to continue in the future, there's so much opportunity for people to get involved now and to kind of carve out a space for themselves within this that, that suits their interests and their ambitions and their passions. So we're sort of not trying to ask people for just, just to kind of jump in for a short amount of time, but actually to get involved in something that hopefully we can carry on to the future that would also have benefits to them and to their interests, I guess. I got involved with an artist-run initiative called Sawtooth up in Launceston, uh, where I am from originally. Um, And I started as a volunteer there um, and then joined the board as a very junior member. Um, And I think I joined because someone older from the scene took on a mentoring kind of role with me and it felt like the natural way to learn the most and get the most out of my time within the spaces to meet people. Um, and then I guess it started from there, but then as I did more, it, it created a really nice way to give back to the community that I felt had always been supportive of me. And I think that it just kept continuing with the amount of time and effort that I put into organisations because I, it feels good to do good things. It's really rewarding. And also, um, you know, if you host an artist from interstate, for example, then you kind of meet them and then they might be like um, Llewellyn Milhouse, for example, who's been down showing in the Contemporary Art Tasmania show, also runs Outer Space in Brisbane 
and I met him, I had a show in Brisbane and then I met him there and then he came here and it's kind of like, it's a way of um, connecting with this national network as well, I think. And it's, um, I think that's kind of valuable as well as to kind of be a part of this community that's a, like a nationwide thing. It happens, <clears throat> that networking as well, it sounds very corporate the way we're talking about it, but it's not, it's very informal. I think there's something quite genuine at the heart of it I mean as artists I'd like to just think that it's kind of human that you make contact and something about sharing your arts practice with other artists who are running spaces and everyone's working really hard you sort of draw quite close to people quite quickly so I think the reciprocity even interstate when you visit people is quite real and big I know most in my two years up in the territory most of the resident artists that came to visit I'm still friends with. We call it networking but it is about just in its basic it's um, it is friendship and because we're all going through the same things and sharing the same ideas and having discussions and having the ability to have the discussions that you know, sometimes in our wider kind of normal lives don't get to have. It feels important too I think some of the discussions that have come out of this festival because I think that was what I was trying to say before what especially what Grace and Liam have done because it's, it's their idea even coming back from that conference in Sydney them just having a convo on the plane and getting really riled up and pissed off about the lack of action or understanding and then deciding to do this huge thing and bringing people together it's it's historical it hasn't happened before and that's because you know these spaces are underfunded we don't have a lot of resources to reach out more formally through a festival has been quite hard. So for this to have happened is pretty incredible and I think most people are recognising it. I think it also speaks to, um, you know, like we could have had this idea and then emailed people and then people just been really busy running their own programs and just wanting to get on with it. That's happened But pretty, well, a hey. few, I mean a few, which is completely understandable. Um, but generally everyone we emailed emailed back straight away, like, yes, I agree with your sentiment. Yes, we want to get involved. We'd love to do this. We'd love to come down. And I think that it maybe uh, illustrates a kind of timeliness in, in perhaps this need for kind of banding together, which is, um, I don't know, I think a, a part of it might be the result of, you know, the cuts to OSCO funding last year as well and then um, decreasing access to funding for people and then this feeling of increased competition amongst um, spaces that run, you know, um, kind of parallel to each other or something and I think there's something nice about wanting to come together rather than to continue sort of separately and to, to meet with each other. Um, so I would say, yeah, we did have this initial idea but what's been the most uh, amazing thing about this is, um, especially when we're just communicating with people via distance, some people we don't know via email or via phone, is people just being like, yes, absolutely, we want to do this and this is the idea that we have and this is how we want to do this and then it's just been us trying to make that happen for them in the best way that we can. And also, um, you know, the organisations in Hobart who have chosen to take that on as well and can see the value of that, so Salamanca Arts Centre, TMAG, those kinds of places have sort of sort of just said yeah we think that's really important really too and we want to make the that. space for that yeah it's called the Hobie Annali and it's happening in Hobart and I've wondered like as someone who's come from interstate whether it, it could have happened anywhere else like I've spent a lot of time in Melbourne I think it might have been quite hard to orchestrate it in the way that it's happened in Hobart 
I think part of that has to do with Grace and William and the Constance board and then networks as well um, down here in Hobart. Maybe if this is a success, people will take note and might be a bit kind to us if we want to, you know, deliver it somewhere else in Australia. I think there's been talk amongst the artists about how good it would be if it was, if it actually was a Biennale and not just a tongue-in-cheek kind of. <laughs> uh, the New Zealand, the New Zealand crews that have come over have been really, really great. Uh, they've exhibited two uh, Maori artists, uh, Christopher Putu and Kari Hawkins, um, and their shows have been really, um, I don't know, amazing to see in the in the spaces, the sites that they've worked in. Domain House is also an incredible, incredible site, um, and there's four shows in there, and they're incredibly ambitious shows. And uh, I don't know, what are some other highlights? I don't want to um, favourite anyone. <laughs> um, I think all the shows are fantastic in their own way. Um, but I think for, for me, the highlight of the festival has been the kind of secondary purpose of the festival, which isn't just the exhibition of art, but just the meeting of people. And I think the mood and temperament of the festival which I think started at the program launch and has kind of continued ever since, has been this kind of joyous energy of positivity that everyone's carried through every evening and event. And just because it is this tiring thing and we quite often get bogged down and just seeing everyone so excited and engaged on multiple levels and creating new networks has, has been really the highlight for me. And there was one really good musical act that I really liked the other night. That was pretty good. <laughs> I think in terms of programming, I haven't gotten to see a lot of our <laughs> programs running because I've just been driving trucks and sorry, yeah, frantic phone calls and just running around. But I have I have gotten to see some um, some things. When I had a sleep, I managed to get down to Gasp Glenelki Art and Sculpture Park, um, where we had a, a few great musical acts. The Meanwhile crew from. Um, from New Zealand uh, had had their works showing, Alaska Projects had their work showing, there was a good crew down there that kind of braved the cold and we watched the moon come up and there was just space throbbing out over the Derwents and yeah, I was like looking around going, oh, this is, this is pretty cool. <laughs> There's been a lot of back patting about this festival and <clears throat> talk about Aries and how wonderful artists and that kind of thing are, but it's not, I think, in, I think, I hope most people would agree with me, I don't think it's very separate from, you know, the rest of everyday life, or at least it it shouldn't be. I think a, a lot of the, the works that are happening now and happening in Aries and will continue happening across the country is very... Those conversations and those works are, are really important. And I think there's a lot to be learnt, I think, in Australia about embracing those conversations and communications and work as necessary to sort of to understanding how we live yeah I think that's a huge motivation for a lot of us as artists head to our website visualarts.net.au for more information on NAVA's advocacy and campaigns for improving the working environment for Australian artists and arts organizations Thank you.